Welcome to Season 1, Practical Christianity, Episode 1, Studying the Bible. So what is this? This will be a walkthrough of the episode. So sooner or later, we'll be doing every single episode. And what is this about? This is, this is a guide to help you on how to use these lessons. Alright, so if you've ever done a Bible study before... Um, the app is self-explanatory. You can use it, whichever parts you are familiar with. And you could put your own twist on how you conduct that Bible study. But, if you haven't done a single one in your life, this is it. Now to the content of episode 1, just to make sure that we are looking at the same content. Um, First, there will be an intro, followed by sections 1, sharing interesting facts about the Bible, section 2, how to read the Bible, section 3, the Bible and you, section 4, what does the Bible say about itself, section 5, what can we see in the Bible, section 6, share how the Bible has been a part of your life, and after that, there will be an extra study for youth. Okay, so generally... The intro is not something that is being said to the Bible student. This is something to help you on how you're going to introduce the topic. Okay, so here it will be the walkthrough. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use this material in real time as you are listening to it. And as I cite verses, I'm actually going to be using my Bible, King James, and I'm going to open them along as I'm reading, so you will get to see, or at least have a simulation of what is going on, and hopefully by that you can get your own rhythm, be able to share in your own way. So, we're going to start. So, here it is. First step in doing a Bible study is prayer. Now, you always start with a prayer, whether you're studying this by yourself or you're studying this with someone. Okay, so things to pray about, number one, is to pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. No matter how smart you are or how you think you're not smart enough for this, you will always need the Holy Spirit. For whatever you lack, the Holy Spirit needs to make up for that. Or just better yet, be humble And acknowledge the fact that you need the Holy Spirit to be able to do anything. And that the Holy Spirit will enable you to do whatever God has called you to do. So, by this time, if you're studying with someone, ask if you could pray. They don't know how to pray, it's fine, but you could offer the prayer. Now, going to the intro. This is basically the root of a glorious tree waiting to spring forth into action. The reason why we have studying the Bible is the first one is because as the Bible study, the whole thing, the whole study will center around the fact that the Bible is the ultimate source or authority of truth. This is why this is the foundational structure of every single study that you will be having. So... As you start with this, this the, the end game for this study is that whoever you're sharing the Bible with, they will have a clearer, like I said, a clearer understanding of what the Bible is. Because a lot of times, people are, one, ignorant of what the Bible is, 
or two, they're afraid of the Bible, or three, they want nothing to do with the Bible. So either one of those is something that needs to be overcome because we need to see the Bible as how God intends us to see it. Alright, so now you can read that intro for yourself. And yeah, so bottom line for the intro is that the goal is to make the Bible as a tool for everybody. It's a tool for you to know God and it's a tool for everybody to be able to know God. It's not something that could only be used by persons with degrees in theology. It is something that should be read by every single Christian. Okay. Section 1. Sharing interesting facts about the Bible. So you can start by sharing what is the Bible. So the Bible is actually sort of like a compilation of books. A series of books. We have 66. So with the 66 books, you have 39 books for the Old Testament and 27 for the New Testament. So this was written in three continents and it was written in three languages. That's Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So Hebrew and Aramaic for Old Testament, we're talking about the manuscripts. So the original language in which they were written before we had them as books today. They were written in the old language of Hebrew and Aramaic for the Old Testament, and then Greek for the New Testament, which we will explain later. Okay, so this also is interesting is because they were written by 40 different people from different occupations, which means that this was not a compilation that was done by a group of people who came together and decided we're going to write a book. Okay, this is over a span of 1,500 years from beginning to end. That's how long that is. And a lot of people from all walks of life. Which is why it's, it's the, it makes it unique. Is because of the different perspectives. You get a fisherman, you have a teacher, you have a king, you have a prophet, you have a tax collector, authors in here. But... Before people say, then, if humans wrote it, why is it considered the word of God? We'll get to that later. But here is a note. On the notes, you will be seeing this later on. These notes are little things that I inserted here so that you could get sort of like a clearer understanding of what you're going to be saying or in anticipation to what your students might raise as questions. For, so, for example... I mentioned that the, this is the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. So, cited here a few chapters of the books Ezra and Daniel, one verse in Jeremiah and word in Genesis, are written not in ancient Hebrew or the Israelites' language, but in Aramaic, which is sort of like a similar language. It's about um, the example is, is as closely related to Hebrew as Spanish is to Portuguese, but they are not of those of dialect. They are different languages. The same as through with Spanish is actually a different language with compar in comparison to Portuguese. Alright, so now. So with that, um, it's just a fact. If you have any other facts about the Bible you'd like to share, you can go ahead and share that. So, number two, how to read the Bible. This is important. We teach, we teach them how 
to actually read the Bible, right? Teach them the difference between the Old and the New Testament. 39, 27. What a chapter in a book verses. So, right now you can open your Bible. And you can go to the first, if you, if you have these new Bibles. They have these, um, I have no idea what to call them. They're, but anyway, you see this, I'm not sure if it's a table of contents. But I know there's a summary where there's the Old Testament and then there's the New Testament. So you can show that to them and you can open your Bible up to where that part is in between with the Matthew and Malachi. You can show that to them. So normally a Bible with uh, New Testament and Old Testament would have that cover of the New Testament before the Matthew. It has that cover page so you can show that and show them how the difference on where generally you can find the Old Testament and how thick it is in comparison to the New Testament and then you could go for example what does it say when we have a book so a book here like when you cite a verse right let's say you have the first one is Genesis 1 29 so what is it the word there is a book right Genesis so Genesis you can look at here it's from the Old Testament. You can find it. If uh, if your student is a newbie, they could practice. Oh, so Genesis chapter 1. So you could look for that. Genesis, the book of Genesis. And chapter 1, verse 1. What is a chapter? So the books are subdivided into chapters and further divided into verses. So you could show that. So what is that number after the first word? Genesis, that's the book. The next number is the chapter. Then there's a colon, the, those two dots, and then you have a verse. The next number is a verse. So that is how you find that is how you find a verse that we're citing. That's what it means. So you could go ahead and just, you know, I don't know how that's how long that's going to take. Okay. So now going to going to that you can, at the very beginning, you can help them find this by opening the book, opening the Bible, net right next to them, or at least have someone else assist in reading, but let them see how you open it. Okay, that's important. So they can also get to feel how to do it. They don't, they don't feel like this is something only for the experts. And believe me, we're all students here. Nobody is that super expert. Okay. So question the Bible and you, why do we read the Bible to hear God's Word? Why is it that we have to open the Bible to hear the voice of God? Why can't God talk to us face to face? Now, go with me to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 29. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version, which I'm using. It says here, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. So as you can see in the first verse, God created man 
in his image and his likeness with the idea that he gets to talk with a person face to face. But clearly that is not the case today because something happened which brings us to our next verse in Genesis chapter 3 verses 22 to 24. And so it reads, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword, which he turned, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So basically the narrative is, something happened here in that God drove them out of the garden of Eden because they have actually sinned against God. This is where the creation story comes in. When Adam and Eve decided to disobey God, they were driven out of the Garden of Eden because of their sin, and that was it. That was the end of God actually talking to them face to face. Now, okay, so why is this such a big deal? Which brings us to our next verse in Isaiah 59, verses 1 to 2. So, just to help, now Isaiah, Isaiah is actually somewhere near the center of your Bible, so you can just chop that in half. And you'll either be finding Sam's or Jeremiah. So, just keep flipping. If you're in Sam's, it's right after that. If you're somewhere beyond Jeremiah's before that, so you, you're fine. Isaiah. Okay, so anyway, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. So, it says here in verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Okay, so the point here is, is that it's not that it's not that God suddenly hates people, but sin, or whatever your version is, iniquity in here, sin is what separates us from God. Because God is holy. So the whole reasoning behind why we can't talk to God face to face is because we're all sinners. And it's not something that God wants. It's something that God is doing for own benefit. Because in His presence, you know, we will be in trouble. Because we're sinful. He is, he is pure. He is God. So... As a way around that, that barrier, that separation, because man disobeyed God, the Lord has sent His Word to us through the Bible, which is a written account from God. So this is something that is preserved, so that throughout the entire generation, or generations to come, we will still be able to read what God has said, even though our sins have separated us from Him. So that's what a Bible is. The Bible is a work around so that we can still hear from God. We can still listen to God, and God can still talk to us. So, alright, so 
next, uh, which brings us here to the next point. What does the Bible say about itself? Okay, so what, well, what does the Bible say about itself? It's pretty straightforward. You can go to Psalms. Then again, just a few books before Isaiah. Shouldn't be too far. Sam chapter 12. We're going to chapter 12. Verse 6 and 7. Okay, so it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So the word of the Lord, as preserved here in the Bible, the reason why they are being written down is because they are to be preserved forever. They're not just for a time of old. They have their uses, they have their meanings that will still apply to us for generation to generations. Next is Psalm 119, chapter 119. Verse 160. Psalm 119, if you haven't known that yet, is actually the longest chapter in the whole Bible. Alright, so, verse 160. It says here, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So, all the way from the beginning till the end, from Genesis to Revelation. So, verse 160 basically tells us that it's true from the very beginning. Now, this is why it's important. The whole Bible is the Old and New Testament. It's from the beginning. A lot of people would say that the New Testament is important, but not so much with the beginning. It's not relevant anymore, but that's not what the Bible says, does it? It is true from the beginning. It is important. Now, so much for the Old Testament. What does the New Testament say? Let's go now to 2 Timothy 3.16. Okay, so a tip for finding 2 Timothy. In the New Testament, all the books that starts with letter T are actually packed together. Yeah, very interesting. So if you can find one of them, find a single T book, starts letter T, you'll definitely, definitely find the rest close to it. Okay, so now we're going to 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. This is a very key verse. If you can memorize this, do it. If you're skipping out the other verses in here, this is one verse that you shouldn't skip. Okay, so what's the point of this? All scripture, basically when Paul wrote this, this is written by Paul, when Paul wrote this to Timothy, the scripture here that he is studying is actually the Old Testament. So a lot of people would say, well, we don't need the Old Testament anymore because now we have the New Testament. Well, that's exactly not what Paul is trying to say. What Paul is trying to say, all scripture and now, as Paul is writing this, this includes the New Testament as well. It's given by inspiration of God. This is why this is important. This is given by inspiration of God. Okay? Inspiration of God. They are inspired. This is what separates the Bible from everything else. The Bible is inspired by God other than the other books of its time. That's what separates it. And, okay... Inspiration of God profitable for what? Doctrine. Doctrines should be based on the Bible. 
If Christians say they are Christians, their doctrines should be based from the Bible. And if it's not based on the Bible, what is it? That's where we get reproof and correction. You correct wrong doctrines if it's not inconsistent with what Scripture says. For instruction in righteousness, how do we know right is right and wrong from wrong? The Bible can tell us that. The Scriptures tell us that. Okay, next is Second Peter. This is right after Timothy, which is almost to the end. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Also a famous verse, but let me break it down to you. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, what's the point is this in this verse is that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The people who wrote the Bible were not people who just were bored and wanted to start a religion. No. The fact that there are a lot of them the fact that you have around 40 people across 1,500 years writing. These people weren't, weren't randomly picked out. They were divinely inspired by God, holy men, whom God has chosen to speak what God wants them to speak. Okay, now it's interesting here that why is it not that it is just a dictation, right? Oh, okay, my point here is, why were these people not writing on what was just simply said to them? Like uh, like God is speaking and then they have to write everything down verbatim. There are parts that are like that, but it's not entirely like that. Which brings us to this. These Some of these are letters. Okay, why? The key here is that if you put two and two together from the previous verses that these people, as they were right, they were divinely inspired, but God allows them to write in the way that they, you know, in the way that a human being would relate. Because the Bible is for us. The Bible is for humans. And so, this is the beauty of the Bible. This is how we will be able to see things even from a human perspective. You know, in, in a language that we can see the Bible from the perspective of whom God has called. Let's say we have Paul, a very learned man, and we also have Peter, in this case, who was basically a fisherman. And yet, that does not take away the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God can use an expert in language and a fisherman to still write about God and what makes what makes the playing field if you put it that way level is that they were all inspired by the Holy Ghost okay so which brings us to why is this a big deal what can we find in the Bible what else okay section number five what can we see in the Bible this is now in Romans written by Paul so we have the book of Romans, which is just right after Acts, not too far from the beginning of the New Testament. Okay, so Rome, this is Romans 15, 
Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So they were written before, before our time, obviously, so that we can have hope. That's important. Like, what we see the Bible here, we live in a very hopeless world. But the more we study the Bible, the more we will find hope. That is important. Next, John 5.39. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. It's important here, I'd like to say, that it says search. Search for it. It means you have to study it. When you study the scriptures, you will know who Jesus is. You will know why he did this. You will know why he gave us the Bible. The more you study the Bible, the more you will get to know the reason why we need it, why it was given to us, and why is it so. And Second Timothy 3.15, going back to Timothy. Which is basically, you know, just right after the first... Uh, right before the verse that we read earlier. Verse 15 says, And that from a child that thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, faith which is in Christ Jesus. Alright. So, we can find here salvation in Jesus. And, it's important here that Paul even says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. This is something that people think, which is wrong. That in order to read the scriptures, you have to be smart, you have to be wise, you have to have a degree in theology, you have to know Latin, Greek, Hebrew. But what the Bible actually says is that if you study the scriptures, you will become wise. I see the correlation there. That the more you study the scriptures, the more you will be wiser, the more you will know about what salvation is in Jesus. So if you don't start learning the Bible, you will never get there. Alright, and then, this is, where, this is where the whole verse by verse thing ends. And... The last section is share how the Bible has been a part of your life. Now, at this point, if you have other verses in mind, you can do that. It's up to you. And also, if you have, if they have questions, they can also do that. Okay, the key for this part is that um, typically we don't answer questions that are not really related to this. But there will be questions that might not be related to this topic, but you don't have to throw them away. You can ask them to hold on to that thought and then you can study that later when the time allows. But for this part, okay, if you notice there's also an extra study for youth, I will discuss that and what that is for. But right now, let's go to section 6, which is also very important. Share how the Bible has been a part of your life. Okay, so what probably separates this study guide from the usual is that this ends in uh, on sharing like the last part is important how the bible has been a part of your life 
Okay, so what am I what I'm going to share is not going to be the same as yours. Okay, there is no formula here. And this part, it's being able to connect with the Bible student or whoever, your friend or whoever, on sharing with them how the Bible has affected you. Okay, so for example, how has the Bible been a part of my life? So for me, the Bible is something that I realized later on in life should be more appreciated than it is. Okay, so sometimes we think the Bible, or I think, like the Bible is only applicable to certain cases. You know, growing up, like, you know, if you want to feel good, if you want to feel, like, blessed, you want to feel good about yourself, you read the Bible, or it has these stories to enjoy. But the Bible is so much more than that. And I realized that the Bible is is a source of hope, a source of salvation that you especially need when you're having a big when you're having a very bad time. And reading through the Bible, the more I read it, the more I try to understand it instead of just trying to put it in a little tiny stereotypical box, you know, the more I open myself to what the Bible actually is trying to tell me, the more I realize that this book, this book is very deep, but it is understandable. It is a blessing. So, what I've learned about it is that, you know, for me personally, okay, for me personally, I appreciate the prophecies that I learned. So, as a child, okay, I was taught about the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, stuff like that. It was a very young age, probably kindergarten, yeah, around that age. So, that really gave me a different perspective in life, when, especially when you see these things happening. When you see that, the moment you see that what the Bible says is actually happening in front of you, the Bible becomes alive. Yes, that might sound weird if you haven't experienced that, but trust me, if you study the Bible, that will make sense. That statement will make sense. So, for me, how big is the Bible, is that when you study the Bible, when you study in humility, when you seek what it is trying to say, you will start to realize that, hey, this is not just a book that's sitting in the corner. This really is God trying to speak to me. And that's how big of a deal that is, because now even the questions that you have will start to getting a- start getting answered. So that's how... The Bible is a part of my life. Okay, so now that's a very short testimony. But the point really here is that this is your testimony. How has the Bible been a part of your life? This is the note that we want to end on. So you could push this a little bit further away into the study. or you know. So there's an extra study here. You can insert this before you get to that testimony time. So just going straight up to that. These are in the extra study sections. There are common questions to the topic that we are studying with. First here is a very old piece of literature. How can we be sure that the Bible is accurate and reasonable? I'm citing here Dead Sea Scrolls. And this is a very, very common question, especially for people who are more critical of the Bible and its origin. Because it's old, you know. But, let me tell you this. Dead Sea Scrolls is for manuscripts. 
that people are saying that, oh, it's old, it's corrupted, it's changed now. Dead Sea Scrolls is that in the Dead Sea, literally, they found jars there with ancient manuscripts, okay, that they found out, which tells us that basically we've been reading the same thing for a very long time. So, which gives us a very accurate idea of the Bible really is still the same. It was preserved. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not what people want it to look like. That it's an old, out-of-date literature that has been translated way too many times. Nope, that's not it. Science. Okay, I'm citing here Job 26 and verse 7, 28, 25. You can read it for yourself. What makes this important is because for a long time, science is pretty weird. Okay, so we've went through a period where people believe that the earth is flat, right? That the the world revolves around the earth, right? Like, you know, stuff like that. But the point here is that even in these, I haven't cited everything, but even in these verses, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, or like the sphere in Isaiah, and even in Job 28, it tells us that wind has gravity. Can you imagine that? Like, people did not know stuff like this before. I mean, we until we have modern science, these statements would be pretty much crazy. He stretches out the north of the end over the empty space and hangeth the earth upon nothing. I mean, it literally tells us that the world is a sphere hanging in space. And that it is sustained by gravity. I mean, orbits are basically gravitational pulls. Alright, so stuff enough with that science section. But... The point here is, if you study the Bible correctly, you'll get to know why stuff like this, hundreds of years before it, things like this were discovered, are constant in the Bible. Alright, okay, next is, what about the Apocrypha? Why is it not considered canon? Okay, so, um, for this part, some Bibles have this section called the Apocrypha. They're not part of the 66. They're called Intertestamental books also as well. So what's the difference between that, the Old and New Testament? Um, basically, the King James Version was first compiled with an Apocrypha included in it. But the Apocrypha is, they're not considered canon for a number of reasons. One is because they were not, they don't, they don't give the same writing as the rest of the canon. Canon, or we consider that what is considered to be like divinely inspired by God from the old and the new. So intertestamental or saying somewhere in between the old and the new testament, these books, the apocryphal books, emerged as part of Jewish literature and tradition. So they were written as religious literature based on the tradition of that day, not necessarily as 
written based on the Lord's divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, even if you look at the original text, the apocryphal books are written differently. The manner of writing, the style of writing, and they unfortunately do not really have the same tone with the rest of the 66. They they say stuff that are not consistent with the other books, unfortunately. They because of course they are from the di- tradition. They're yeah, that's that's the thing. They 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 contradict with the old and the new testament. So which is why they're typically separated from the Bible, the other the other parts of the Bible from the sixty six. So but they are religious literature, but they are not canon. Okay. They're not canon. So the list of books and materials, we have this first, second Esdras, we have the Maccabees, the Tobit, the Judith, addition to Esther. You've got stuff like that. Because uh, what's contained in these is that although they look really religious, they they don't they don't agree with the Bible. Basically, that's what it is. Religious literature based on traditions that are inconsistent to what the patriarchs and the prophets have been saying in the Old Testament, and neither do they match with what the disciples and the apostles are saying in the New Testament. So, yeah, they're a different class. All right. So, anyway, that ends, that ends episode one. And I hope by this time... Um, one aspect of giving Bible studies that we need to understand, which is important, is personal testimony. Which brings me to, to section 6 once again. How has the Bible been part of your life? Which leads to this point. If you don't have anything to say, right? Because you didn't have a miraculous life, you didn't have this great life... You didn't have all these experiences. You were not a missionary. You were not a theology student, graduate. You're not a pastor. You're not an elder. You weren't born in in, in, an, in a Christian household. Remember this. Like I said, the more you study the Bible will be the moment that you will you will learn more. So if you don't have that, you can just start right now pray, spend more time. And I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure the more you study the Bible, the more your life will change, no matter how small. What's important is that your experience with God is something that only you can tell. So the reason why we're doing this is because Jesus is a personal savior. We don't want people to have an idea that the only way for them to have a relationship with God is through somebody else. No. The fact that you're sharing your personal story with God is an inspiration that they can also have their own personal story with God. That's what this point is. And that is where we will put the Bible as a foundation, that the Bible will be a tool for them to know God for themselves, as I have and as you have. So that's it, and don't forget to close this with a prayer. What you can do now is that for the next studies, for the next studies, you can read up in advance, ask yourself questions and stuff like that. You can review, and also do your own personal thing. 
you know, so don't be afraid. There's a first flying for everything, and remember to always pray about it. And last thing before I end this uh, episode, pray for them even when you're not studying. Pray for pray for your student before you're studying, during your studying, even when you're not talking. Let the Holy Spirit do its work. And finally, you're not the person who's going to convert people. Let me just say that out there. You're not, your job is not to convert people. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes hearts. Your job is to pray and share what you have. Now, don't take the burden. Don't take a burden that the Lord has not given you. Okay? You're not the one who's going to be doing the convincing, no matter how smart you are, no matter how experienced you are. It is the Holy Spirit that changes lives, that changes hearts. Your job is to be there and let God use you. So with that being said, I hope you have a great time with this. I hope that you will be blessed as well and share that blessing with others. That's it for Season 1, Episode 1.